You're listening to the Evanston Bible Fellowship Podcast. EBF is a community of sojourners empowering one another to cultivate gospel transformation. To learn more about our church, visit ebfchurch.org. stand for the reading of God's word. (laughs) Today's passage comes from Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Um, It's good to be with you this morning. As Danny said, I was here for about three years. I was a member here. And so it's really great to be back with you all to be back in this space, especially, and to be able to like look out and see some, see some new faces, like evidence of God's faithfulness and work, and also to see some old ones too. And so it's, it's really cool for me to, to be back here. And so I just wanna thank, um, thank Tim and Jeff and Matt and Andrew and Moses for inviting me and for just being incredibly gracious and hospitable, and so, so thank you. Well, our text for this morning comes from the Old Testament, and so what I want you to do is to try to imagine that we're not in Evanston, Illinois in 2022, but that instead we are pilgrims in Judea going up to Jerusalem in 500 BC. Okay, are you there? Can you picture it? Like, as we go, we're, um, we are going up to Jerusalem to the, make the sacrifice, to, to join in the uh, yearly festivals. Maybe you or your parents were recently exiles in Babylon. You've come back into the land. You've come back home. And so together we are marching up to Zion. And as we go, we're singing songs as we ascend to the city of David. As we go, it's a hard trip. The sun scorches us by day. Our uh, children hunger for bread and we thirst for cool water. And yet we make our way into Jerusalem. The Lord keeps us and we enter into Jerusalem with gladness and thanksgiving. And so it's then that we enter into the temple. The temple has been rebuilt And so we make our way there, and it's there that we hear those words that Brittany just read for us. And so I'm going to read this again, 
And what I want you to do is to try to imagine yourself hearing these words spoken at the temple by the worship leader as a recently returned exile back into the land. Okay, so this is Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. So remember, you are recently returned exiles. And so as recently returned exiles, how did you hear those words? Thinking of, in light of all that you've been through over your lives, exile, grief, injustice, loss, how does these, how do you hear these words? Does this psalm lead you to worship God or instead to doubt that his promises are true? And that's the question I have for you this morning. In light of all that you've been through in your lives, we have so many lives represented here this morning. In light of all that you've been through, does this psalm lead you to worship God or instead to doubt that his promises are true? My hope for us this morning is that through this psalm, we might come to praise who God is and what he's done chiefly through his son, Jesus Christ. And so let me pray again for our time now. Oh God, the strength of all who put their trust in you. Mercifully accept our prayers and because in our weakness we can do nothing good without you, Give us the help of your grace, that in keeping your commandments, we may please you both in will and deed. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Well, our psalm for this morning is the first in a series of five psalms which close out the book of Psalms. So Psalm 146 through 150, they each open and close with the words, praise the Lord. And so we know from the start that our psalm is about praise. We should praise the Lord, right? It opens with a call to worship. Imagine the uh, worship leader standing before the people, calling out, praise the Lord. The call is in the plural, and so this is exactly What's happened, it's not that much different than what Jeff did earlier at the start of the service. 
But then the, quick, the, the focus, it quickly shifts from the plural to the singular. It shifts from the people to the worship leader. And so the worship leader then says to himself, praise the Lord, O my soul. He says, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Now, I just want to point out three things on these verses. The first is the duration, how long the psalmist will praise the Lord. He says to himself, how long will I praise the Lord? I will praise him to the end of my days. I will praise him as long as I live, come what may, whatever comes my way, sickness, distress, sleepless nights, I will praise the Lord to the end of my days. The second thing is whom the psalmist praises. He praises the Lord. Now, we'll come back to this in a moment, but what I want you to consider is that the Lord is not God's title, right? It's his name. That's the name that God gave to Moses to signify his commitment to his covenant promises. And so the psalmist does not resolve to praise some sort of uh, abstract principle or nebulous God out there somewhere, nor does he resolve to pray some impersonal, indifferent, distant God. No, the psalmist says, I will praise Yahweh, the one I can call by name. Think about the intimacy of that. The one I can call by name, I will praise him to the end of my days. And the third thing is that he praises the Lord through song. Right? He, sing, he says, I will sing praises to my God. Okay, quick side note. Have you ever wondered why people sing? Like, wouldn't it be more efficient to just speak normally? Why do you think people feel the need to, like, dress up our words in poetry and put them to music? Well, I don't think it's to just keep us from getting bored. I think there's like, I think there's a deeper reason. And part of that reason is, I think it draws on more of ourselves, right? It, in, it involves our stomach muscles, our vocal cords, our lung, our tongue, but it also draws out more of ourselves too. Like we often can't help but feel something as the chorus swells. We can't help but sing along to the music or move to the music. Singing usually involves our whole person. But I think also singing sometimes is the only appropriate response to the deep realities of our lives. We write poetry to try to capture the ineffable, to try to describe the indescribable. And I think that's the reason why so much of our music, you think about the lyrics, so much of, the mu so much of our music is either about wanting love and finding it, or losing love, and never, or never having it, right? Sometimes singing is the only appropriate response to the deep realities of our lives, and, and I think so it is with God too. We were made to worship God with everything, um, not just with our words, not just with our thoughts, but with our bodies, our emotions, with our deepest longings, and so, the psalmist, he wants for people to actually sing, but even more important, he wants for their singing to stem from hearts stirred to worship by trusting in God alone. 
And so I think it's for that reason that in the next verse, in verse 3, he gives this warning. He says, put not your trust in princes. Now, when I heard this, it felt kind of strange. The psalmist is saying how he'll praise God for as long as he lives. He's calling the people to join him. And then seemingly out of nowhere, you have this warning, don't trust in princes. Don't trust in people. Like, why does the psalmist feel the need to make this point here? And I think it's because the thing that most often compromises our worship is when we trust in things other than God. The thing that most often compromises our worship is when we put our ultimate trust in things other than God. And guess what? We do it all the time. Maybe you put your trust in your education or your career, thinking that if you can, if you can just make enough money, if you can just get into a good enough program, if you can just publish good enough papers, if you can just get a good enough job somewhere and maybe feature in some top 30, under 30 list somewhere, then maybe you might feel happy and secure. Have you ever felt that? Maybe you put your trust in politics or news media, thinking that if you can just read the right books and stream the right podcasts, if you can use the right language, if you can join the right causes, maybe disapprove of the right people, then maybe you might feel like you belong somewhere. You might feel in the know. Or maybe you feel, maybe you put your trust in self-help or self-discovery. I've been guilty of this in my life. Thinking that if you can just pick the optimal morning routine, if you can just pick the optimal diet, the optimal tech product, the optimal habit tracker, if you can just journal more and meditate longer and, and maybe finally take that trip to Iceland, then maybe you might finally feel complete and satisfied. You know, I think we uh, put our trust in the things of this world because they are sold to us by the princes of our day. The people who promise can save us, the strong, the influential, the beautiful, the clever and credentialed. But I think what Psalm 146 tells us with crystal clarity is put not your trust in princes, in a son of man. Why? Because in him there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. Now, notice how the psalmist doesn't point to human depravity. He doesn't say, put not your trust in princes because they are stupid, I'm sorry, because they are selfish and arrogant and corrupt. He doesn't say that. He doesn't point to human ignorance. Put not, put not your trust in princes because they are stupid and, and incompetent. No, instead he points to something that is true of every person. Someday he will die. Right, you think about the greatest person you can, maybe the greatest leader, the greatest spouse, the greatest parent, the greatest spiritual leader. You think he's, maybe he's the most talented, the most knowledgeable, the most well-connected and charismatic and integrous in kind. What Psalm, one, what Psalm 146 tells us is that he too will die. 
and all the achievements, all the agenda items, all the plans that he has put in place will perish, right? Death will eventually wipe away all the things we have built, almost like sandcastles on the beach as the tide comes in. Nothing we build will be left behind. Our lives and the lives of those in whom we often put our trust are remarkably fragile. And if you don't believe me, just think about the last two years. Who would have thought how some tiny virus in some obscure part of the world could just, in a matter of months, bring the world powers to their knees, send the wealthy rushing to their bunkers, and leave the smartest among us scratching their heads? Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. Why not? Because it will destroy you. There's a postmodern novelist, his name's David Foster Wallace, and he once said this. He says, in the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there is no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. And an outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God, be it Jesus Christ or Allah, is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, then you will never have enough. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally put you in the ground. Worship power, you will feel weak and afraid, and you will need ever more power over others to keep the fear at bay. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. And so that's my question to you this morning, is where are you putting your ultimate trust? Where are you putting your ultimate trust? Martin Luther once said, whatever the heart clings to and confides in, that is really your God. EBF, where does your heart cling to? Where does your heart confide in? Where do you run for security and support? Put not your trust in princes, but instead, trust in the Lord. Right? The good news of our psalm is that there is someone in whom we can and should put our trust. Verse 5, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. In contrast to mere humans who will always let us down, God will bless those who put their trust in him. And it's because God actually can deliver. God actually does save. Unlike mere humans, God does not die. Unlike so many of our strong and our influential, God does not cover up secret sins. He does not abuse his power. He does not lapse in his judgment. His name is the Lord. Right, when Moses appears to, when God appears to Moses 
in the burning bush and sends him to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, Moses asks for God's name, and God tells him. This is in Exodus 3. He says, I am who I am. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and say, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and, and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt. God is who he is, and he will be who he will be. God is who he chooses to be, and yet at the same time, God is loyal to his people. There's one Bible scholar, Richard Bauckham, who comments on this passage like this. He says, the one who cannot be constrained commits himself to a course of action for Israel's sake. God declares himself to be the God who himself has chosen in his grace and in his love to be Israel's God, dedicated to Israel's good, and he has done so irrevocably. That is the God we serve. He is the God of Jacob. He is the God of his people, and he is with them, and he is for them, and he will never leave. But the thing is, God does not commit to his people in the abstract. Instead, God demonstrates his commitment to them through tangible acts of deliverance time and time again. Look down at verse 6. This is describing why we should trust in the Lord what he is like, what he has done. And this is what it says. Who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. What I think is so awesome about this passage is how it sort of recounts creation's whole story, almost in like miniature form. You think about it like in verse six, it starts with God's creation. He is made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. All of it is his because he's made it. And then at the end of the story, we see God ruling over all things forever. Right? Like, this story will never end because the story of God's reign will never end. But it's, it's wedged between those two points, between creation and eternity. It's wedged between those points where we live, in the in-between. We live in the place where God must regularly reassure us of his commitment to our good. In the place where some of us are oppressed, where some go hungry, where some sit in prison and in darkness, where some experience the loss of a spouse, or parents, or a child, and some never experience what it's like to have one. 
And it's in that place, right? It's in that place that God shows himself to be gentle and kind. On the extremes, on creation and eternity, God rules over all things. But it's in the middle, it's in the middle where we live that God gives help to the helpless. Now remember, remember, imagine again that you are recently returned exiles. All your life, you've heard stories of the Exodus. You've heard stories of how God rescued Israel out of slavery in Egypt. You've heard stories of how he broke their chains, he lifted them up, and he brought ruin on their, Egypt, on their wicked Egyptian rulers, and then how he gave them food in the wilderness, and how he watched over their years of wandering. But then now, as exiles who've returned from Babylon back into the land, you have new stories to tell. You can tell of stories of how God has brought you back into the land, how he watched over your sojourning in, Egypt, in um, Babylon, how he brought ruin on the wicked Babylonian rulers. Now he's brought you back into the land that he promised to your forefathers. Right, God has done these same things that we see in Psalm 146. He has done these things time and time again. God's track record all through the Old Testament proves that time and time again, verse six, he keeps, keeps faith forever. And so you can trust in the Lord because he is a God who rules over all things and who gives help to the helpless. Like, look at me, EBF. You can trust in the Lord. You can trust him because he's a God who rules over all things and who gives help to the helpless. And so because of those things, once again, the psalmist says to all the people, he says, praise the Lord. He is worthy of our praise. Now, remember at the start of this, I asked you, does this psalm lead you to worship God or to doubt that his promises are true? And maybe here's another way of getting what I, what I mean. Does the reality of our suffering and pain contradict the truth of who God says he is? Does the reality of our suffering and pain now contradict the truth of who God says he is? Right, like if God executes justice for the oppressed and he gives food to the hungry, then why is there so much oppression and hunger? If God sets the prisoners free and he opens the eyes of the blind, then why do so many of our brothers languish in prison and our sisters go without healing? If God watches over the sojourners, he upholds the widow and the fatherless but brings the way of the wicked to ruin, then why do so many of the vulnerable among us suffer under the heels of those who abuse and exploit them? Like, how can we praise the Lord when all around us, out in the world, close at hand, maybe in your own life, how can we praise the Lord when all around us seems to fail, when all around us seems to cast doubt on God's faithfulness to his promise. You know, I remember a few years ago, um, standing in church one Sunday, and I was resisting the urge to leave. 
I was going through a difficult season, and I remember distinctly remember standing and looking at the screen, looking at the lyrics, and hearing all of the people around me sing these words. They said, oh, how deep is your wisdom, God, just and true in all your ways. In every trial, you prove your love. You are good always. Honestly, it took everything in me in that moment not to bolt for the door. Because I felt in that moment, if God is so good and if he is so wise, then where is he in my situation now? And maybe you've felt the same way. But my exhortation to you this morning is this, go on praising him anyway. Go on praising him anyway. Praise him, come what may. Praise him to the end of your days. And so I wanna offer you three reasons why we can go on praising God even when all else seems to fail. Number one, go on praising God because Jesus knows our pain. Go on praising God because Jesus knows our pain. Philippians 2, it says, because, he was, because Jesus was in the form of God, he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. And because he became a man, Hebrews 4, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted, tested, as we are, yet without sin. Jesus knows our pain. He knows what it's like to feel marginalized and oppressed under an imperial colonial power. He knows what it's like to feel hungry, destitute, rejected by men. He was born in obscurity. He fled home for safety. He lived in reliance on others with no property or stock options to call his own. Jesus was unjustly accused, tortured, beaten, humiliated, and hung on a cross for all to see. Jesus knows our pain. He does not dismiss it, and he does not diminish it, but neither does he leave it untouched. So that's the second reason. Number two, go on praising God because Jesus will deliver us from our pain. Go on praising God because Jesus will deliver us from our pain. At the start of Jesus' ministry, he reads from Isaiah 61. This is in Luke chapter four. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came to fulfill this promise. And throughout his ministry, Jesus gives food to the hungry. He gives sight to the blind. He lifts up the broken. He honors the widow, and he welcomes the children. Right? Jesus delivers people from their immediate pain time and time again. But get this. He does something even better. Jesus delivers his people from their true, ultimate pain by giving to them himself. Right, Jesus is the bread of life, 
broken, who feeds the hungry and gives life to the world. Jesus is the living water poured out who satisfies the thirsty. Jesus is the light of the world lifted up whose light shines through the darkness. Jesus will deliver us from our pain because he has died and praise the Lord because he has risen again. And so don't miss this. Don't miss this. Your God's seeming silence to your pain right now is no reason to doubt his kindness or his faithfulness to you or his power to save. How can I say that? How can I say that? It's because he has shown through his son that he is and ever will be eternally, entirely, unendingly for his people. Why? Verse eight, because the Lord loves the righteous. He loves his son and he loves all of us who are united to his son. And so you can go on praising him now in the assurance that he will deliver you, deliver all of us from our pain in the future. Number three, go on praising God because we need to hear your voice. Go on praising God even when all else fails because we need to hear your voice. You know, I, I told you about that time when I felt like leaving the church, when everything in me um, doubted the promises of God. And it was in exactly that moment when I needed to hear these words the most. Sometimes we need to hear, sometimes we need to sing hymns of grace, not because we feel their reality in the moment, but actually because we don't. There's a Bible commentator, Beth Tanner, who comments on the Psalms like this. She says, at times the Psalms give us words to express anguish that we cannot bring ourselves to express. At other times they allow us to express the joy we feel in a theological register. Now, now listen to this, I love this. And at still other times we do not sing them because they say or feel what we feel or believe, but because by speaking them, we can come to believe what they say, feel what they feel, and trust where they trust. And let me just add one more thing. We need each other. In this room, we need one another. In that moment, I needed to be with the family of God. I needed to hear my brothers and sisters in unison proclaiming the truths of God that I couldn't see in that moment. I needed to hear their voice, and they needed to hear mine, and we need to hear yours too. And so, are hymns naive in the face of untold suffering? I don't think so. I don't think so. And only because our God rules over all things and because he gives help to the helpless. We can praise the Lord now because our God rules over all things and he gives help to the helpless. We can grieve with those who grieve and we can lament the world's brokenness, but we as believers, we as followers of Jesus have every reason to sing 
And it's because even though we live in the dust now, we have the promise. We have the guarantee that through Jesus Christ, God will lift us up. God will lift up the lowly. And so, come, let us praise the Lord. Let us praise him together. Let me pray. O God of peace, who has taught us that in return and rest, we shall be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be our strength. By the might of your spirit, lift us, we pray, to your presence, where, where we may be still and know that you are God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To hear more messages from EBF, subscribe to our podcast. And to find out how to get connected with our church, visit ebfchurch.org.